Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of whatever Denver Comic-Con is happening. Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we see a new movie, and we podcast our experience to the world. This week, we saw Separation. Brian, you can't have my kid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Stay tuned to the end of the episode. We'll tell you you should see the film, play the trailer, and spoil it. I'm joined this week by Brad. What's up? And Zach. Hello, everyone. By the way, Ryan, we're not having a Comic-Con this year. We're having a Jack Benny convention. Didn't you get the memo? Sweet. I'm down. Okay. Um, right on. And, uh, <laughs> Who are you going to cosplay as? Wow. You really thought you had him, Zach. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he surprised me with kindness. <laughs> yeah, well, the episode is young. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he'll find a way to smack me down. <laughs> Uh, we also talk about uh, movie news, <laughs> the scant Blu-rays that are coming out, and stuff we've watched throughout the week. We can like I, movies. We talk about I, movies. Oh my gosh, can I finish my intro before you interrupt me? Yeah. <laughs> God, it's like your first podcast. Anyways, we've been doing this for almost 10 years. We are 11 weeks away from our 500th episode. And also, uh, we will be revealing the ultimate list of Real Nerds episodes, which will be our 500 favorite films list that we're going to make. (laughs) Um, And we got to figure out exactly how we're going to do that and make it fun for everybody. It'll be interesting to see how we do this without ripping each other's throats out. Although, we're fans of MacGruber. That might be a fun idea. The 500th episode will be the last episode of this podcast. <laughs> anyway, well, Zach, you wanted to say something before you rudely interrupted the I was, talent I was gonna, of this show? I was going to say, the Blu-rays are scant this week, but they are pretty damn cool. <laughs> At least for most of us. I don't know about you, Ryan. You might be out this week. <laughs> Maybe. We also like to go around town with Brad because Brad likes to go around town and explore the magic that is Denver movie scene. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Ah, Denver movie scene is so great, you guys. (laughs) Denver movie scene is my new favorite nightclub. (laughs) I, I just love going to the outdoors and watching movies. Uh, outdoors like the holiday twin drive-in which uh has changed its lineup to raya the last dragon on one screen and on the second nobody and wrong turn Ooh, right on wrong new... turn wrong turn is fun you should check it out i might do that because i That's really want to go to the drive-in. Right? 
Yeah, it's way different than the um, 2005, two, three, I don't know, early 2000s version. Hmm. Although I heard some people are saying to boycott the wrong turn franchise because the creator is an asshole or something. So I don't know. Not sure that applies to the new one. It, hey, it, it, it's, a, it's a reboot. It means you reboot everything. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's sometimes it's hard because, you know, when people are assholes or you oh, don't yeah. like them anymore, you know how hard it is? Like, you like Baby Driver and then Kevin Spacey's in it. You're like, ugh. Fuck. I have that Blu-ray on my shelf, but I haven't picked, I haven't rewatched it since that news dropped. So it's like, yeah, he's in it, but it's not like his creation, you know? That's yeah, the, it's yeah, one no. of those things where you have to look past. And you know, I mean, I don't know if it's newsworthy, but he's making the people that are charging him with like this sexual um, abuse, assault, whatever you want to call it, they have to name themselves because they're trying to sue him for money which I think makes it a little more interesting. Um, hmm. I don't know. It's weird. I, I I always struggle with it, you know, because people say like Joss Whedon's an asshole, but I'm always going to watch his stuff because I like his stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's never sexually assaulted anybody. He just told someone he'd ruin their career. Yeah, I, I, I haven't gone back to a lot of creative figures in the wake of their different respective news, but... Because it's also know. hard too when you when you see Miramax, you know, in the early days, you try to watch stuff, and then you realize how much of a piece of shit Harvey Weinstein is. Wait, I guess that is the exception because I do go back to to either Miramax or early Weinstein company movies every so often. But it, I, it's it's almost like I, I that's where I f- start to have to separate. But I do have that feeling in the back of my head of like you know how much shit went down in this production. Like I love Jackie Brown; it's my favorite film of all time. But you know that that asshole's name is on it. That company's name is on it. It's tough. Yeah, it's almost like if you were a young woman, he'd take advantage of you. But if you were, um, you know, a, a director that had a great voice, Kevin Smith, Quentin Tarantino, John Madden, people like that, he's, you don't, he, I mean, like I said, when I was watching, um, uh, fuck, what's that, horror, The Burning, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and the commentary, they they praise him about how helpful he was and things like that of course it's like two dudes so (laughs) yeah and it and also i mean there are there are more than enough stories that came out through kevin before all the big revelations of harvey weinstein's assholery but it mostly pertained to his career and not towards the grander scope of situations and whatnot it's funny he actually was one of the first people to really point out harvey weinstein being an asshole like not the first but like one of the most vocal about it because of a lot of how it pertained to the uh, eventual release of Red State and other matters of him departing that company. So, well, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a joke in Family Guy about Kevin Spacey that's like 15, 20 years old. Oh, yeah. Seth MacFarlane was calling that out uh, pretty far away. He did. He did a Weinstein joke at the uh, uh, 2012 Oscars. I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I forget the uh, episode, but Stewie's running out of a like dressing room saying Kevin oh, Spacey's in there or something. I think it's like, see, it's, I think it's in that like first season of the new like run after they got re revived. I can't yeah, remember. It's, pretty, it's a long time ago. I know that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, regardless all around, it's, it's difficult to deal with these 
problematic figures in their work. Like I struggled with it with Hitchcock at certain moments. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's frustrating. Yeah. You know, who won't harass you is the 88 drive-in where <laughs> they are showing Tom and Jerry Godzilla versus Kong and the unholy. And that's what's Ooh. going on around town. That's nice. actually a fun lineup. Even if Tom and Jerry's like, I don't know. I, I kind of want to see Tom and Jerry just to see. It's all right. It's not, it's, it's cute. I mean, I've heard like people bashing it around. I'm like, it can't be that bad, right? Like, it's not like it, it's a kid like movie. Okay. So it's just silly. There's no really big stakes. Some of the jokes are really lame, but I mean, the animation's really cool. They kept it 2d, but it, in a 3d world. So the animation looks really great. So like that two and a half D thing that they kind of do yeah. for the peanuts movie. Yeah. Right on. Cool. It's on HBO max. I can check it out. Yeah, it's kind of like Roger Rabbit because like all the animals in it are cartoons. Do any does does at any point does Tom go please? No. Dang it. That was pathetic. Hey, movie news time. It's real news. All right, boys. I know what you really want to talk about, so we're just going to we're going to drop the charade of any big news and, uh, that that supersedes this and get right down to it. Marvel announced a bunch of shit. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. And <laughs> so <laughs> who wants to talk first? <laughs> I've re-announced a lot of those things were already on the slate. But they gave us some specific titles for things like Black Panther 2 will be called Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Um, and um, we got confirmation of a release date for guardians of the galaxy volume three and i saw people complaining like oh you're announcing movies two years in advance that's that's ridiculous i'm like that's every movie ever dude that's that's what they did that and these movies take so much time to plan out that they have to (laughs) get planned that far ahead is that, I, I'm confused, Brad. Who 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 was saying this, and where were they the last five to six years when Marvel was announcing their entire slates? <laughs> Not just Marvel, like any movie. You know, oh yeah, Star Wars. Remember take, Star Wars with that timeline? Not even like just like. Not even like a franchise movie, just any movie is like, yeah, it takes like two years yeah. to make them, so they're going to announce them two years in advance, unless they have like a code name while they're well, making it. Well, it's it's crazy because I. I mean, even if you think about it, so uh, Black Adam, The Rock is, they're shooting it right now. It doesn't come out, is it August next year? Um, and then, yeah. yeah. So. And then it's like next month or in the month after, they're going to start shooting uh, Shazam 2, which doesn't come out till 2023. <laughs> so, Yeah. It should be interesting considering like all those kids would will have been like four years older since the last movie so hey they they had their own version of the snap brad they'll have to deal with it um and then we also got i I, so i this is something i was unaware of in the announcement like i knew i didn't realize captain like basically captain marvel 2 was going to be called the marvels so that's interesting i think that's that's a recent decision (laughs) oh okay yeah the well they're gonna bring in uh Kamala Khan as well and um, they're already uh, she has her own show yeah Ms. Marvel 
on Disney Plus, and then her and Captain Marvel will team up, and um, I'm guessing Monica Rambo will too from WandaVision. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll be like a all female superpower team, which will be fun. Sweet, that sounds cool. And this is one that I'm not, I wasn't super sure of, but what's Armor Wars? Who can tell me about Armor Wars? That's the Iron Man stuff, right? It's, I mean, yeah. I'm reading that it's Don Cheadle getting his own Marvel shit. Woo! Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a Disney Plus show. Yep. It will be airing in 2022. I hope it's Justin Hammer has to make a bunch of Iron <laughs> oh, Man suits for Don Cheadle. <laughs> what if it's Don Cheadle and Justin Hammer in a dance-off to save the universe? So they combine Guardians and Iron Man 2's best qualities. <laughs> Should bring in the guardians for that, I think. Ooh. Guys, what if the what if the second phase of Avengers movies is all leading to a big dance off instead of a Thanos? I doubt it. That'd be highly highly doubt it. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> it's Kevin what are you doing? It's a dance off, bro. <laughs> <laughs> cut to cut to like what? We're talking maybe like twenty thirty-three and Kevin Feige's just going like, look, guys. I know you're all disappointed, but I always wanted to do a big dance-off movie in the Marvel Universe, and this is the only way I knew how to get there, bit by bit, over 20 years. Um, Yeah, and then, uh, as said before, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be releasing on May 5th, 2023, so everything will be getting on board with that. And then Fantastic Four, which is under a to-be-announced, is another one of the films coming out with John Watts directing. And Blade, uh, as has already been announced, um uh, with Mahershala Ali attached. Um and Deadpool three and a reported Captain America four, which I'm assuming has some connection to whatever happened in Falcon Winter Soldier, which I still have to watch. So uh yeah. That's pretty much all the Marvel stuff that I found. Oh wait, no, sorry. I'm wrong, guys. Feige said that yes, the X Men are coming. So now's yeah. the time where we start figuring out who's going to fill in everybody's shoes because they're not I, bringing I in the old people. They need to do a Deadpool Wolverine movie. <laughs> I think they do too. Like bad. But, but, Jackman wants to do it. So, yeah. Well, then Deadpool 3 needs to get Jackman back in there and somehow find a way to do it that doesn't disrespect Logan. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's different territory. It won't really matter. It's also, it's a movie. doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, does anybody have any final thoughts on these Marvelites before we move on to anything else? Uh, which one of them is Mephisto? <laughs> he is a he is a big villain for the Fantastic Four. So I'm just gonna do that from now until eternity. Like every time there's speculation <laughs> about anything Marvel, it's just who, who is Mephisto? <laughs> like Guardians uh, Three, who is Mephisto? Boner? Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on, guys. Um, so Taika Waititi is an Oscar-winning screenwriter. He is uh, the uh, creator of the TV series and the film thus, that it's based on, What We Do in the Shadows. But did you guys know that he's going to play Blackbeard the pirate? <laughs> yep. Yep. HBO Max is now reporting that 
There is going to be Taika Waititi putting on the Blackbeard mantle a, for a comedy series called Our Flag Means Death um, with Reese Darby playing Bonnet. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I wasn't really aware that HBO Max was developing this kind of series, but uh, a, a comedy pirate series sounds like fun. Uh, and it sounds like it doesn't have to rely on the same kind of comedy of, say, like a Pirates of the Caribbean. It can now be its own little goofy thing. Um, so, yeah. Any thoughts on that? Or <laughs> nope. I'm down. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'd love to see him see play anything he does for sure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm curious to see what his next films look like after um, he, he, one of them is supposed to be like a soccer drama. So I'm very intrigued. Um, and then. Uh, there is a title now for the new Spielberg project that is supposed to be kind of semi-autobiographical question mark. I don't know. Uh, called the Fablemans. Um, and guys, there is a casting call going out for somebody to play a young Spielberg character. So James's kid Finn needs to grow up quick and fulfill his dad's wishes. Um, yeah, the movie is uh, going to be starring Michelle Williams uh, playing the character inspired by Spielberg's mother. Paul Dano will be playing the man inspired by his father and Seth Rogen will be the person based on Spielberg's uncle. So yeah, this will be very interesting. I am uh, very curious to see what this ends up being. Uh, And uh, on that front on the Spielberg note, I want to apologize for last week. That trailer for West side story looked awesome and I shouldn't have opened my goddamn mouth until I had watched it. So my bad guys. Um, Anyway, shit. I am a piece of shit. <laughs> I was just <laughs> laughing because you were like so down on it. I've never seen or heard, I guess, you so negative about something before. I'm, I'm not usually I'm not usually that like negative on remakes, but for whatever reason my skepticism was high that day. But you know what, Ryan? I watched I watched the trailer and it got and it gave me some goose pimples. It looks visually stunning, as I would expect from a Spielberg movie. And it got me it got me in it got me compelled to go back and revisit West Side Story, which it's not a movie that I would immediately like pull off the shelf and want to revisit. So Did yeah. you guys listen to the edit of the show? I haven't listened to it yet now. What'd you do? <laughs> They'll find out. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> Am I going to hell? <laughs> neither, neither of you did. No, that's a shame. I put a lot of work into that one. No, I, 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 I've, I'm sorry. I've been busy. I'm, I'm trying. I it's really like our, am. How busy are your ears? They're well. When I can't have a phone on at work, yeah, that takes out another good eight hours of my day. <laughs> I needed a few days to decompress after Jesse told me no Mortal Kombat fan would like the Mortal Kombat movie. Wait, wait, so. yo, yo, Ryan, I felt bad for you after that. I was just like, are you gonna be okay, buddy? Like, because you were. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan's just near a window and Laura's like, don't do it. <laughs> it's an appropriate episode to have a lot of battles on, so I, I who, took full advantage who, of that. Who who got the fatality there? I don't remember. There's a lot of them. Hmm. A lot know. of fatalities, a lot of toasties going around. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of punches. Yep. Yeah. Uh I know at one point I did say the phrase get over here, but it wasn't as bad as a scorpion saying it. So I found a sound effects bay of all uh, Shao Kahn's uh, voice tracks. So I think I used all of them. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. I'm listening. I'm I'm listening as soon as we're done with this. That was one of my favorite things. You had to put in a combat code on Sega Genesis Mortal Kombat 2. And when you did, uh, Kentaro would come down and smash the Sega logo. 
And Shao Kahn would say, you weak, pathetic fool. <laughs> Which is my favorite Shao Kahn moment. <laughs> I think the, my favorite one that he used was, uh, it's official. You suck. Yep. Fucking Shao Kahn. It's funny when you play games like that and you realize in the arcade they're purposely there to make you pump in quarters because Shao Kahn was so fucking cheap. <laughs> That's a fire. <laughs> it always reminds me of... Um, the Ninja Turtles game, when you start getting deeper and deeper into the game, where you just get hit really cheaply by things. Well, yeah, the final boss of Shredder, there's three Shredder, or there's multiple Shredders, and so you have to keep like knocking off his helmet to figure out which one's the real one. Yep. And so, yeah, that's, that's a big coin guzzler. Yep. All right. And Ryan, I've got some news for you. Do you want George Romero's final zombie movie to come out by hook or by crook by any means necessary? Uh, the reason I'm on board with this is because his widow is involved. And yeah, I mean, I'm, she well, said that um, she wanted it to see it get made. Mm-hmm. So I'm down with um, it being made. As am I. So this leads into the story. There's a movie called Twilight of the Dead that is being developed now actively. <laughs> This was written by George A. Romero and was being developed by Romero up until his death in 2017. This is meant to be a concluding chapter intended to be the final statement on the genre of zombies for him. Set in a decimated world, life has all but disappeared, but there may still be hope for humanity. Uh, The treatment was written with Paolo Zelotti, um, and Zelotti had asked um, Romero's widow, Suzanne, if he could contribute with the script. Suzanne agreed, and Zelotti then worked with writers Joe Netter and Robert L. Lucas, and um, it's going to be a direct sequel to Land of the Dead, which uh, which means it will be ignoring Diary and Survival of the Dead. So um, that's interesting. Well, actually, yeah, because like Diary of the Dead, it's not kind really of a soft like, reboot of yeah, yeah. Those. And but Brad, I never did you see survive. that. We saw that opening night. Was that the Tivoli? Oh, what? That would be the only place it was playing because that's what I remember seeing in the papers. Which one? Diary of the Dead. Diary of the Dead, yeah. I saw Land of the Dead, I think, in Okay. I think Ryan saw Diary on his own because I don't remember Diary at all. Hmm. You, don't, you don't remember? I thought it was you and I who went down to the Tivoli. I remember going to the Tivoli, but I can't remember if it was Land or Diary. They it had to the be Diary of the Dead. Land okay. of the Dead had a bigger release than Diary of the Dead. Diary of the Dead, I remember being at the Tivoli, and me and my friends decided we did not need to go to that. And I kind of regret that. Yeah, I think you're right, because now I remember Land being at like Denver West or something. Oh, yeah, Land of the Dead got a huge release because it came right after Dawn of the Dead, so everyone wanted to watch Zombies again. Yeah, yeah. and actually Shaun of the Dead, too, so it kind of piggybacked off of two different cool things. So, um, But yeah, um, and I've still never seen Survival of the Dead, so... I've got some it's okay. Romero catch up to do. Even, but yeah, even even though, but like even even a weak Romero movie is still fun to watch. So. Oh yeah, no, I mean there's still moments in it. Um, I, I like the idea of the screenwriter said that he thought it was interesting to um, see where because uh, in Land of the Dead, the like smart zombie big daddy kind of walks away, mm-hmm. and, yep. and he wants to explore what what happened with him. I think that's kind of interesting. That is a solid idea. I'm down with that. Um, and then, uh, 
the last piece of news that I have is that Olympia Dukakis has unfortunately passed away, but um, at the at the good old age of eighty nine, so she led quite a life, uh, starting off with bit parts in shows like The Doctors and the Nurses and Doctor Kildare, uh, then moved into movies like Twice a Man and John and Mary. I think a lot of people would remember her for Moonstruck and Steel Magnolias. Uh, she's also in the Naked Gun thirty three and a third, The Final Insult. Um, as playing herself, um, <laughs> um, and Mighty Aphrodite, Mr. Holland's Opus, I Love Trouble. Um, she uh is uh in the Look Who's Talking series. Uh, she she ran the gamut, she she was a she was a workaholic for most of her life. So, um, yeah, it's been a while since I've watched Moonstruck, but I remember liking her in it. So, um, yeah. Big, big bucket of win, as another podcast would say. Uh, so Olympia Dukakis will be missed by all of us real nerds. I'm sure we have one movie in there. I think, Brian, yours is just Naked Gun 33 and a third, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> one of them. Okay. Uh, she was also on Law & Order SVU, Bored to Death, The Simpsons, Frasier, Touched by an Angel, uh, Numbers. Um, so she she did everything. Wonderful life. And that's news. Sweet. Blu-rays come out that sometimes we get. DVD releases and Blu-rays. All right, pop quiz, hot shot. You've got a. You're gonna get a steelbook of Speed, or are you gonna just get a regular edition of Speed in 4K? I've never seen it, so mm. you've never seen Speed. Wow, no. You should see it. It's awesome. Rad. It's like Speed Two, but on a bus. <laughs> I should, I should just watch Speed 2 first just to piss <laughs> yeah. people off. Uh, can you please use its full name, Cruise Control? Thank you. Sorry. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry. Speed 2 Cruise Control starring Willem Dafoe. That's right. Uh, yes, you can get Speed in 4K in either a standard release or in a steel book edition. Um, you can also get, coming to 4K, Ryan, bury me by the river. But, but before you get Big Fish in 4K, <laughs> uh, sure. I'm, ex- I'm excited for this. Big Fish in 4K. I love that movie. So Zach I'm, is the only person on earth that can quote Big Fish. I was crying out. Bradley, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be? <laughs> you you guys don't like Big Fish? What's fucking wrong with you? <laughs> I saw it once like 20 years ago. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's one of Tim Burton's finest films. What are we doing here, guys? <laughs> It's fine. Uh, Once you and you and James can talk about how great that movie is. Yeah, I'll be like Brad. I saw it twenty years ago, and I went meh. (laughs) You know what? I will go over to James's house, and he and I will just quote Albert Finney all day. (laughs) Sounds Uh, good. And and then Brad and I will just stare at a wall because that's about as entertaining as Big Fish. So Ryan, you should probably get ready for a murder suicide. <laughs> when James kills Zach for coming over at random to talk about Big Fish and then kills himself <laughs> for having heard any second of it. <laughs> I mean, he's got a family to raise. I think he'll just try to cover up cover up his crime. <laughs> I've been watching so much Unsolved Mysteries that just dropped in my head. That's <laughs> oh my god! After it happens, can Robert Stack come back from the dead to ask people if they can solve the mystery? Because that would just—I'd be willing to die for that. You keep asking these obviously non-possible <laughs> questions that you know the answer to. I just I don't understand. Why can't you live in a what-if world like me, Brad? Why not? 
it's so much fun over here <laughs> i guess it, it is just 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 embrace the madness here um I, MacGruber... I, I did live in a what if world i came up with a murder suicide scenario <laughs> between you and james but that's depressing we need to have some hope here guys the world is dark enough as it is <laughs> although i guess my my death might be a bright spot i have no idea um no <laughs> you're going so is... dark <laughs> brad started this train i'm just keeping it rolling um, even big fish like a bunch of people die god <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's kind of like one of the themes of the movie brad <laughs> i know um uh ryan uh i thought the theme of the movie was an overindulgence in visuals by tim burton in an okay script yeah what do i know toasty <laughs> <laughs> you guys are gonna make me cry i'm gonna go listen to... <laughs> i'm gonna go listen to pearl jam in my bed alone i forget um, were there even any fish in that movie there is a fish at the beginning of the movie, Brad. It's in a dream because he's telling stories to analyze so, his actual so not life. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's a story. It, the, so big. I'm what not... if about fish? <laughs> I'm just imagining a new poster for the movie called "What If Fish." <laughs> um, Ryan, I've been wanting to ask you this for the last two minutes. MacGruber is getting reissued, but it's through Milk Creek. Should I even bother? Because <laughs> I still, I think I still have your version that you loaned to me last year. Uh, I mean, I I wouldn't because Milk, Milk Creek, Creek isn't very good at um, transfers. Although I do have their community, and it doesn't look that bad. Maybe they've gotten better. I know their uh, version of the Lady from Shanghai has wonderful reviews. So I don't even uh, have it on Blu-ray, so I think I'm gonna have to get it. There you go. You can tell me. It it uh, it doesn't look as slick and cool as the one that Ryan has. Does the existing um, one have unrated and theatrical versions? Yeah, it does. Yes. I'm guessing Mill Creek just bought the rights to the home release of it. Oh, yeah, They're yeah. using the same disc and probably transfer and shit. Yeah, they've done that before. So. Yeah. Um, Arrow is putting out a movie called A Ghost Waits from 2020, which was an indie horror film from last year. Uh, I kind of want to see this after recommendations from a couple of people. Ryan, are you going to blind buy or am I going to do this one? Uh, I don't even know what it is. So, A Ghost Waits. Let's see. It's a man's job requires him to clean a house, which turns out to be haunted. In the course of trying to exercise the ghost, he falls in love with her. Ooh. Sexy ghost times. Uh, anyway. Kino Lorber is putting out Sweet Liberty with Alan Alda, Michael Caine, and Michelle Pfeiffer and Bob Hoskins. Uh, so if you want to pick that up, you can. You can also pick up from them The Last Married Couple in America with the late George Siegel and the um, late Natalie Wood. Um, so uh, check those out. Uh, Ryan, I've got a Disney question for you. Uh, are these two Disney releases that I'm seeing uh, only through the Disney Movie Club? <laughs> and Yes. Okay. If you're talking about the Black Cauldron, then yes. Yes. Well, not just the Black Cauldron. You're forgetting about 2005's masterpiece, Valiant. Mm. The Bird World War II movie, which I've still never seen. Uh, I've never seen it. Yeah. yeah, It gets it because it doesn't matter. The movie that people are going to want to get is the Black Cauldron. You can get that through the Disney Movie Club exclusives. Do you Uh, really, though? I mean, we know we we I guess Ryan, as a completist, you, I would. But. Ryan, you and I know that there are a plethora of better Disney movies out there, you know, ones from this era that capture different spirits of the Disney imagination. 
that don't have the dour and bleak, you know, output that the Black Cauldron does, right? I mean, I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen the Black Cauldron. I kind of want to blind buy it to rewatch it, but maybe if Brad gets a copy, I can rewatch it through him. I have it on DVD. Are you not going to upgrade? <laughs> I have to be part of the Disney Movie Club, and I'm not, so. Uh, okay, gotcha. Uh, let me ask you this. Are you part of the Little Things Club where you get a free copy of the Little Things on Blu-ray each week? That does not exist. Well, it does now because you can pick up the Little Things on Blu-ray. It's not uh, a club. Yeah, it, it will be. <laughs> and you have to pay for it. <laughs> if Jared Leto has his way. <laughs> Good luck t- walking out of Best Buy with it without paying yeah. for it. <laughs> like your car. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking movie. Um, you can also get the um, now Oscar winning film Judas and the Black Messiah on Blu-ray only it looks like I didn't see a 4k for that which is weird but I guess they're scaling back if I'm assuming correctly right Ryan Ryan he's muted for some reason oh okay yeah uh, apparently you can only get uh, Judas and the Black Messiah on 4k and the little things are on blu-ray and the little things only on blu-ray so I guess they're just scaling back their entire 4k output it might just be a different week of release they might be delayed on something I don't know I don't know we'll see we'll find out Uh, but yeah next week has a little bit more packed in it for blu-ray releases so stay tuned for next week's uh, output Really? You're not going to mention the cinematic masterpiece uh, starring Vanilla Ice called Cool as Ice? You know what? You're right, Brad. How? Who was I to forget Ice Ice Baby Baby? Uh, yes, you can get Cool as Ice from Kino Lorber. Uh, anybody doesn't know the plot of cool, ice, uh, cool as Ice, I will read the synopsis for you. Johnny is a freewheeling motorcycle riding musician who rolls into a small town with his band. There he meets Kathy, a high school honor student who catches his eye and his heart. Can a good girl like Kathy fall for such a bad guy? It's a modern romance with a beat in this fast paced film with stunning visual style and a hit soundtrack directed by commercial director David Kellogg. Uh, Yeah, if you want Cool as Ice, check it out. Ryan, you've seen this movie, right? Brad, you've seen that? Oh, I'm sorry, Brad, you've seen this? Uh, yeah, here's another shocking thing. Uh, the DP for that movie, Janusz Kaminski, Spielberg's DP for the past, what, 25 years? So do you think he was able to film the horrors of war in Saving Private Ryan because he had already been through the hell of filming Cool as Ice? Probably. <laughs> I think Cool as Ice came out in 92 and, and uh, Shindo's List was 93, so he might have done them at the same time. That's... <laughs> Let me check the year on that. that Maybe it's that, 91. That, Either that's, way, that's quite the resume. Like, oh, no, cool, cool, cool as Ice is 91, so he would have shot it within 90, 91 area. So, well, but still, it's like the movie he does right before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, like I said, like, how do you think he's able to photograph the tragic images in some Spielberg movies? It's of the Holocaust? The, <laughs> the, the Holocaust, uh, the beaches of Normandy, uh, Soviet oppression, Soviet oppression in movies like Bridge of Spies. It, this only comes when you are able to photograph something like Cool as Ice and see hell itself. So Spielberg's like, I saw Cool as Ice, and I need that guy's eye because <laughs> he has been through some shit. Janusz, Janusz, are you okay? Sorry, sorry. I was just, I was just remembering something stupid Vanilla Ice once said to me. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Takes a deep breath and he just lines up the shot. <laughs> 
I had to follow a motorcycle and a girl riding a horse at the same time. <laughs> Steven, you've got to get me out of here. <laughs> I can't work in these things anymore. <laughs> Don't worry, Yanish. I've got this great script. <laughs> it's called Minority Report. Oh, thank God. <laughs> um, actually, you know, yeah, because Schindler's List was his first one with him because he shot uh, Jurassic Park with uh, Dean Halloween Cunday. So, yeah, cool. Anyway, guys, that's Blu-rays, unless I missed anything. Ryan, are you back with us? Yeah, sorry, it works calling me. So No, you're fine. I had a question for you on Warner's 4K situation that I didn't know if you knew the answer to. So, like, little things in Judas and the Black Messiah are only Blu-ray. Are they just scaling back? Do you know anything on this? I mean, my guess is they're dramas and they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair assessment. <laughs> That's Blu rays. <laughs> we watch films and stuff throughout the week in a segment I call What We've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what'd you watch this week? Almost nothing. Um, literally, I just been. I, so I signed up for Peacock because you can get a free version of it, you don't have to pay for everything. Uh, yeah, it comes like, yeah, I have it on mine. It's like with ads or something, right? Yeah, and even sometimes they'll say like, uh, uh, "Head and Shoulders has paid for a nonstop viewing of this program, so there's no you know, commercials, so nice. you, can, you can still get like commercial free out of it." Uh, but yeah, they uh, they have the original Unsolved Mysteries, like eight seasons of it, and I've just been binge watching that. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of. A shocking amount of murderers who, because this is like what a twenty-five-year-old show now, mm. have been released yeah. from prison now. And I'm just like, how are these guys not in here for life? Did they ever do follow-up shows on the reboot of Unsolved Mysteries that Netflix did? I think it was. Or no, they don't reference the old stuff. Uh, but the weird thing about this is, they do follow-ups as recently as 2018, but it's still embedded in the show in like a three four interlaced television format i'm just like did they go out of their way to degrade the video to like update it or it's kind of awesome though (laughs) yeah brad sometimes people want to recreate the um the the look and quality and feel of something that came out of the past so (laughs) i mean it's it's impressive for like the show that's in pretty much reruns for a long time to like go like before you put it on Peacock streaming, go back and make it look like we type text on like 80s style on this program, but well, it contains but like recent it, information. It, it is kind of cool though, in the respect that like if they've got that much money and they're willing to put that into it to add to the experience, like that's pretty cool. Like, I mean, I think probably if it's legally still in syndication, to. maybe that's way to keep it fresh and it doesn't Ooh. cost a lot of money. I don't know. That's a that's a good point because if it's still running on television in some form or fashion, they might do that just for keeping up with everything. So, yeah, I'm curious. I just I like I like to know the process of because it would be easy to just put up like an HD screen with the text, like that's all you have to do. But they went out of their way to like overlay it over the old old footage. It's pretty. It's, it's got to be some work. I, I'm just curious what that process is. But yes. Yeah, um. That's a job you missed out on, Brad, being hired to do that for them. I guess so. <laughs> that would have been a cool job. 
And also, there's eight seasons of it, and they're all 26 episode, pretty much seasons. That's a lot of going back through. But like I said, it's, there might be a legal part of it where you have to, you know, if someone maybe if in the in the time that it aired to now, and someone like got their conviction reversed because of uh, bad evidence or bad trial, um, mm-hmm. like maybe. They, they have, have to, to disclaim. They have to disclaim that in some form or fashion. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of messed up murders. And like I said, I was just like, they let this person out. Oh my god. Um. Yeah, and then uh, I guess for a couple weeks I've been trying to say. Uh, I forgot to say on uh, Psycho Gore Man. Uh, if you're an indie filmmaker, uh, the behind the scenes on that Blu-ray is pretty awesome. Did I say this already? Mm-mm. Yeah. No, you didn't actually tell. I didn't know there was a documentary, uh, a full-on making of thing for it. Uh, it's not a full-on, but like, there's a lot of there's a lot of commentary tracks with the director and actors. Uh, I've actually only listened to one of them so far, um, but there's like there's I think there's, there's three commentary tracks, and then there's a bunch of behind the scenes of you know the prop making, the costume making. Um, uh, but there's like a whole like kind of almost real time shoot of the kind of Power Rangers scene where like all the other monsters come down and they fight, you know. Um, so so you see like them doing all like setting up like the the plywood on the ground and this how they shot everything and the special effects like the blood work going into it without like a lot of commentary. It's just kind of like you're on set watching it. So it's like a fil- indie filmmaker seeing like how really close look at that process for that was great. That's pretty cool. And then uh, the the cop in the movie that kind of appears like halfway through who gets like disintegrated, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, felt like a random thing in the movie. Like it's weird that you're adding this this late in the game, but uh, the special features show that he's a reference to their first movie, BioCop. Mm. Where this, mm. so this is kind of like a prequel to that, you know, a little bit of this, uh, you know, disintegrating flesh cop. That was BioCop available to watch. I don't know. I forgot to look it up, but uh, like I, at one point, I think I remember seeing it available somewhere. But it was it's since an Astron's six release or something, mm. like through the website or something. But yeah, I, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense that he's why the characters in here now. Nice. Um, but yeah, like yeah, if you're interested in making low budget films and everything, a lot of the special features on the Psycho Gorman Blu-ray are pretty sweet. Cool. Makes you makes you feel like you're not alone. Oh yeah, in, in I got making... that feeling after re uh, when I rewatched the uh, Adam and the Amazing Zombie Killer one. So yeah, uh, yeah, that that is all I watched. Zach. I actually watched the, quite a bit. Um, I uh, <clears throat> I got my second COVID shot, uh, and I decided, like, well, I've got uh, I've got surely a day of hell coming toward me. So I decided to uh, rewatch some Planet of the Apes movies. Uh, so I started with uh, the original 1968 classic, Planet of the Apes. Um, spoiler, guys, they were on Earth all along. Uh, uh, actually. Ryan, like, I, 
especially since I'm going to talk about two other ones in the series, like the makeup on that holds up extremely well. And the director, um, Schaffner is really good at like making sure that you can't like, you can't even get a glimpse inside beyond the mouths where you could see the actors mouths of any kind. Like, and it's a testament to the director and also the makeup John Chambers does, but it's, it's, it still fucking works. Like it, it still looks fucking beautiful. Um, I disagree with like James said this like a many episodes back. I disagree. I like the setup at the beginning where they're walking through the forbidden zone because it does kind of set up that mystique. If you've never, the only thing that really gives away what you're going to see is the fact that the movie is called planet of the apes. But <laughs> if you were like walking in, like if you were at a movie goer at this time when you could still kind of walk into the movie late and you walked in on them, just walking around, you're not even aware what movie's playing. You're just going in for whatever you, I could see somebody getting thrown off and being like, what the fuck? There's an ape on a horseback. What the hell? <laughs> um, and uh, I, I will say that the only thing that doesn't really hold up for me is Chuck Heston's performance. <laughs> I still like him in the movie, but <laughs> the, the more and more I go back to this movie, the least, the least interested I become in him. <laughs> and I'm just like, nah, I, I want to hear more conflicts between cornelius and dr zayas and zira please like this this works better for me i really could care less about taylor's little crisis he's having <laughs> um and uh even though obviously by the time we get to the end it does have that huge, huge emotional impact but i just feel like heston's performance doesn't hold up the same way it did for me when i was younger when i first saw the movie um i do like his performance a little bit better though in Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which is the second in the series, um, rewatching that was interesting. Um, it's it takes a few steps back for me, star rating wise, uh, in terms of um, certain elements of the story, like bringing in like Taylor 2.0 into the um, uh, into the story to look for Taylor, um, and having the whole adventure with Nova and whatnot. But I love the idea. I still love the idea of the. Uh, the apes marching on the forbidden zone to face a face a threat that has been uh, that has been a detriment to their culture and discovering that it's these mutants underground who worship this atom bomb. Like there's like a lot of fun stuff packed in there that is still creepy to watch when they, when they're singing to the bomb and they take off their masks to reveal their true faces, like the makeup's still really cool to look at. Um, And as far as like Heston is concerned, I love the idea of like, because of what happens in the climax of that movie with Nova and him just like completely losing all sense and kind of reversing his whole uh, impetus in the first film about the madness of men and how they would end up destroying themselves. The conclusion that he comes to by the end of beneath the planet of the apes to set off the bomb is like really like it, it's a really fun choice especially given the conversation he has with Zayas before everything just goes awry at the last second uh and then what goes up for me a step even further is escape from the planet of the apes which it supposes that after the events of beneath the planet of the apes um before the earth uh meets its fate cornelius zira and um 
Milo, Dr. Milo, their, their scientist friend who we never saw in the first two movies, uh, were able to repair Taylor's spaceship and escape from the planet. And they get caught up in a time vortex, something, something they land on earth in the 1970s. Um, and it's funny that we have this, we have the planet of the apes trilogy that we do now with the Andy circus one. And basically like the, past comparison of it would be escape from planet of the apes into battle for the planet of the apes in terms of like the idea of caesar's rise to power the original version of this starts with cornelius and zira giving birth giving birth to caesar and then like when i go back into conquest and battle like i want to see how they kind of mesh up compared to a caesar story that was developed for these reboot um, this reboot trilogy that we got that is still wonderful. Um, so yeah, th- it was fun going back to ape territory and I kind of extended off of that by rewatching King Kong and also doing a double bill with it of the awesome documentary RKO 601, the making of King Kong. Um, and uh, that movie that movie like never loses its charms on the stop motion front. Um, but there was parts of me that was, I was kind of marveling at the amount of aerial stuff that they get away with, whether it's the pterodactyl or scenes where Kong and the T-Rex are flipping each other over their backs and whatnot is like the documentary points out that you can see some of the support rods if you went frame by frame with it. But I just love the idea of like, if you know, if you if you don't tell me that and I don't remember it and I'm just watching it on full, like it just feels like pure magic. It doesn't even feel like it's stop motion at that point. Well, there's um, an art to those older movies and how they did special effects that I forgive them for some of the other stuff because the tricks in the camera are so impressive anyways. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I don't know when the last time you wa- rewatched King Kong is Ryan, but like those, the, the Willis O'Brien effects don't feel janky at all. Really? Like, mm-hmm. they, like there's nothing really about them that makes it feel like unbearable God. We can't watch this. Like I, 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 I still marvel at it. Um, and that production of that film re re sparked something in me that like, there was like five years ago, I wanted to try this in how they did this multi-plane um, uh, effects for the stop motion where they were also able to rear project in um, portions of the screen where you could have live actors in, uh, interacting, quote unquote, with the stop motion figure. Um, and watching Jackson and the people at Weta recreate that process is always like a blast to watch. Um especially when they're redoing the spider pit sequence and they're kind of taking it a step further with that whole concept. Um, it's actually like, the more I think about it, I kind of want to do an article Ryan on the top 10 making of documentaries of golden age Hollywood movies. And I don't know if anybody's ever done that before, but uh, I, would I don't know put, if one, I would put RKO 601 pretty close to the top because part of the problem with talking about the making of King Kong is that apart from a few photographs, production documents and stories, there isn't anything substantive to explain the process of stop motion at that time. So Weta ends up recreating it for them to the best of their ability with all that information intact. 
So it's like one of the most valuable behind the scenes documentaries you have in terms of a visual effects front. And since visual effects are very much a dominant part of film culture today, it's really cool to like see that there's like this great resource for people available to look into the origins of it being recreated and honored by the, some of the innovators of visual effects we have today. Um, so yeah, King Kong, it's a great movie. Watch it. Spoilers. Beauty killed the beast. Uh, and then I rewatched the apartment uh, and Isle of the dead for two upcoming Ballyhoo movies uh, reviews. Uh, apartment's still great. Jack Lemmon still rocks in it. Uh, and uh, Fred McMurray is an asshole in it. Uh, and Shirley McCrane is wonderful in it. Um, Isle of the Dead, though, Ryan, was a new acquisition from Warner Archive Blu-ray. Uh, and that transfer looks awesome. If you haven't picked that up, one, that's one you need to pick up. Uh, it, uh, it's a Val Luton production with Boris Karloff. Takes place during, uh, during the 1912 Grecian War. And uh, this general and this reporter from the Boston Star get uh, quarantined on an island due to the plague. But they're also fighting off this curse that uh, surrounds this particular part of the island from an old superstition called the Vaklava. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right because I don't know if anybody knows how to pronounce it right. Uh, But it's still a fun, tense, moody thriller. Um, I'm going to be very excited to talk about that one again and to start talking about some Val Luton. I still wouldn't put it up. I don't know if I put it up in the top list of my Val Luton, but it's still really fucking cool. Um, and I liked getting re-exposed to it within the last year from film club and such. So Ryan, this is one you'll want to pick up if you want to add to your old horror collection. Cool. And that's all I watched this week, apart from our movie of the week, obviously. Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm going to bring up my Twitter. I don't, think i watch very much but sometimes i don't remember things because i'm old and that's why i put them on twitter so i don't forget <laughs> forgot i watched invincible i watched what invincible the uh, season finale i guess oh yeah yeah it's a little I uh... meant the the mark Wahlberg movie oh no i haven't seen that yeah the invincible season finale was a little it was cool but it was also a lot of um why don't you understand what I'm trying to do over and over again? Uh, battle. It's like, okay, I get it. Ryan, pretty- you, you, God, Ryan, you just made me ask this. I need, I need to ask this out loud. Is Invincible the Mark Wahlberg movie where he's the trash man who becomes a football yeah, player? Yeah, Philadelphia Eagle. I'm okay. an eagle. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, Brad. I just I needed to get that off my head. <laughs> it's all good. I, I, that was done with Invincible. You still looking stuff up, Ryan? Uh, no, I'm good. Uh, so uh, this week, I, I really didn't watch too much. I came home one night because sometimes my job is just, you know, um, and I beat both uh, Chip and Dale's Rescue Ranger 1 and 2 on my PlayStation because they have the Disney art uh, afternoon collection. Nice. Those games are hard. Yeah. Um, they do have a great feature, though, where you can rewind um, if you make a mistake and keep going. So uh, I was, so I went through the Chippendale's first time uh, rewinding to get like a sense of where everything was. And then I went through it again and I got a trophy for not using the rewind button. <laughs> um, and yeah, I got, I got really good at it. I, I beat it with like only dying twice and I ended 
up with like 22 like lives. So I kind of crushed it the second time through. Um, so yeah, I did that. Um, <laughs> I watched a, a film noir called this gun for hire, which stars Veronica Lake, Alan Ladd and Robert Preston. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a really good film. It's um, Alan Ladd plays a, like a hitman. It's kind of a dark film. I think it's from 1942. Um, he plays a hitman who uh, kills this scientist at the beginning and steals this pharmaceutical um, formula, or as we like to say in the movie business, a MacGuffin. And um, and so it turns out that he's set up by the actual company as well because um, they wanted this scientist taken out. Mm-hmm. And he meets Veronica Lake, um, who is a performer and a magician. And um, she kind of like, she doesn't, it's interesting. She doesn't fall in love with him because Veronica Lake is engaged to a police officer. So the hitman is played by Alan Ladd, which is his first film. And, um, and Robert Preston is her uh, fiance, Lieutenant police guy. To clarify, it's like his first big starring role. He would, he had been like extras in movies prior, like, like yeah. here and there. And uh, so, yeah, it moves really quick. I think it's 80 something minutes, but it goes by really fast. Um, Ryan, I may need to borrow this from you. I, it, yeah, I mean, if you like film right? noir, I would definitely watch it. It's a really great film noir. Yeah. Um, it has, you know, there's murder. Um and yeah, I mean, I don't really want to spoil it because, you know, the thing that's cool about film noir is it's all about the mood and the mystery. And, um, but yeah, it just, uh, I mean, cause it deals with, uh, you know, like people being murdered and assassinations and, um, there's an old cantankerous, like CEO of a company. Mm. Um, it's can pretty sh- great. Can I share something with you, Ryan, that I just yeah. learned this minute? Yes. There is a remake of this movie called Shortcut to Hell, directed mm. by James Cagney. Wow. His only directorial film. It's in black and white Viz Division. I yeah, I need to borrow this gun for hire because I don't remember if I've seen it, so that'll be yeah. a nice reminder. But also I want to watch Shortcut to Hell because I need to see what James Cagney's directing looks like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I learned too that uh, Veronica Lake is a horrible person, and no one liked working with her. Did you learn and, that on my podcast, Brian? <laughs> uh, no, I learned it in the commentary of this film. But you could have um, gotten mine for free. <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah, it she was four uh, hours to get to that information. So that episode was only two hours and ten minutes. Brad, you're welcome. Um, uh, actually, yeah, yeah, she she didn't get along with people. Frederick March like refused to work with her after working with her again, after working with her once before McCrea didn't like her. I, I really want to know how much of it was her and how much of it was also like other people, like, you know, holding grudges or what I really, uh, I'm pretty know. sure it's her because she was in a lot of films for a while and then she kind of went away. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and if like Fred McMurray and other people like Frederick March, who worked with her on um, I Married a Witch yeah. said it. And those guys are kind of big guys who could work with a lot of people. I I mean, I'm not saying that, I mean, I obviously wasn't there. So 
Um, but there must be some truth to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the reason why, like I had this, like, like I had this like debate about it in my head was more or less just because of reading some stories about between her and Preston Sturgis and Sturgis was not the nicest of people either in in certain regard to like some things that happened in the production of Sullivan's travels. But, um, but yeah, no, she had, from all accounts, like there, she was not a very popular person in Hollywood. Um, had definitely had some form of, uh, uh, of difficulty about her, but, um, God, but she is great in Sullivan's travel. She's really fucking good. (laughs) She's a great actress, but sometimes people aren't worth a headache. Oh yeah. Shia LaBeouf. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, playing mortal Kombat this week and uh when johnny cage does a brutality sometimes he says game over man and uh obviously that's a a wink to aliens so i watched aliens and that movie's still a lot of fun um you know it's interesting going from alien to aliens because alien is a slow moving uh horror film until the very last like 30 40 minutes and Aliens starts a little slow, um, you know, as it's reestablishing its world. But then it goes like balls to the wall action and it's pretty great. Um, and like, I remember not being a huge fan of Aliens because I like Alien. Like, like, I prefer Alien in terms of an Alien movie, but I kind of want to revisit Aliens because... I do like James Cameron's work, even though like not all of it like still holds up for me. But I'm getting. Yeah, this I mean, he's still brain. fun. Like he's he's one of those directors. He's uh, he knows how to direct action. His movies are fun. Oh yeah. Um, his writing isn't always the best, but for characters. But I still have fun watching his movies. Yeah, I'm 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 definitely a person who will make an argument that Titanic isn't as bad as people like were th- like even including me were throwing it under a bus. Like I had to learn to appreciate that film. I know I keep on meaning to, it's five dollars at Walmart and I keep on meaning, to, you know, I should watch. I haven't seen it since it came out in theaters and I saw it with my brother's girlfriend from high school because he didn't want to go. And that's <laughs> so the last time her? I saw Titanic. <laughs> so you took her? <laughs> no, I, she took me. Oh, OK. <laughs> uh, but that's the last time I saw Titanic. Are you ready to go back to Titanic? <laughs> it's been since 1997, and I can still remember the seat I sat in. <laughs> um, no, I'll loan you the movie. I have it. I have the like four disc set that they put out with the 3D disc in it. Yeah, yeah. maybe <laughs> that way you could save five dollars, Ryan. <laughs> that is true. Um, I, I uh, today I watched two movies. I watched Dodgeball again, which I haven't seen in forever. Um, <laughs> But uh, I wanted to watch a silly movie and um, Kellen asked if we could watch a silly movie. So we watched Dodgeball. I don't think he appreciated it as much as I did. Uh. Um, But just watching it, I just keep on getting reminded of Ben Stiller's character from Heavyweights as well. They're pretty much the same dude. Um, Do you have have a favorite line in the movie, Ryan? (laughs) uh, From Dodgeball? Dodgeball? Yeah, Dodgeball. Oh, man, that's tough. I... I really like the part. I mean, I guess it's not one line. I, I like when she, uh, Christine Taylor's character, um, I forget, I can't remember her name. I just watched the movie, um, visits White Goodman in his office. Mm-hmm. And he's coming down the stairs and he goes, Oh, I didn't know you were going to be here. <laughs> she said, You asked me to come. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> it's just me. It's white. 
W H I T E. Just him being so stupid and such an asshole. I don't know. Ben Stiller's really good at it. <laughs> I, my my favorite line comes from Rip Torn in it, where he goes, um, they were talking about necessity. And he goes, is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? No, but it's sterile and I like the taste. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of lines in that film that are really um, throwaway and really quick, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're really funny. Um, that's why I can't really remember a lot of them. Um, I mean, even stuff, you know, the Globo uh, gym infomercial at the beginning, mm-hmm. when it pans back to uh, Vince Vaughn, he says, uh, this was me 600 pounds ago. And before I learned, realized how much I hated myself. <laughs> so, and if you look in the background of his gym, he has all these sayings on the wall that are really funny. Um <laughs> you know they're walking through his gym and he says i still haven't forgotten about that strip you sent me for globo gym's anniversary <laughs> this one says it's going to be it's supposed to be congratulatory he was also a man <laughs> it's just stupid and funny um fucking Chuck norris <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah um and uh the last thing i watched is i rewatched amazing spider-man 2 which it gets a bad rap but it's actually a really fun movie and it looks great in 4K and the chemistry between uh, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone is really great in the film. And it just gets bogged down towards the end when it starts to try to world build. But still my favorite film from that year because Spider-Man will always be my favorite film, <laughs> no matter what. Um, a movie and ruin Ryan's time. <laughs> They won't let you touch him. No, uh, <laughs> even stuff like, uh, you know, Endgame or Infinity War or it's still technically a Spider-Man film. So they could screen yeah. uh, Italian Spider-Man the same year as uh, Endgame and Ryan would still pick Italian Spider-Man. No, I'd pick Spider-Man. Endgame over Italian Spider-Man. <laughs> but Italian Spider-Man would be number two, right? <laughs> yes. Duh. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's what I watched this week. Wonderful. Uh, this week on Real Nerds, we saw the horror film Separation. Brad, should people see Separation? Uh, nah, I don't. I don't know. No, no. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know if I want to quantify it like that. Um, I think you should see everything. Uh, was it good? Almost, barely. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Zach, should people um um I mean should I change it, Brad? Should I say, did you enjoy um separation? Did I like it? No. I was pretty bored through most of it. I was like, is this even a horror movie? <laughs> um uh, clearly they uh spent a lot of money on a couple special effects that they probably shouldn't have done at all. Um and as a comic book fan, I did not expect uh, them to go hard at uh, artists in this movie. Um, yeah, I, yeah, no, pass. Zach, did you enjoy Separation? Um, no, I didn't. Um, I, I really, um, I, I, I really didn't. 
Um, we'll get into it after spoilers, but no, I, I, I didn't like this movie at all. <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, full disclosure. I have no idea what the movie was about before I went and saw it. It's literally, I was trying to fill a gap this week. And that's why I sent you guys a thing that says, you want to see separation? Because it's some horror film and it, the poster is kind of creepy. And um, yeah, I saw the screen grab and that's all I had either. It was like, oh, this looks like something I've seen before, but whatever. Yeah. We got nothing else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> as a comic book fan, there's some things in here that I have a really big problem with. Very um, reductive. Very reductive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's there's some elements that are cool. There's some visuals that look really great. Um, but yeah, overall, it's just a blah movie. Here's a trailer for Separation that I have never seen. Thank you all for coming. If Maggie were here, she'd just tell you all to make yourselves at home. The greatest thing about Maggie was this deep love that she had for Jenny. If I'm honest, I could have been a better father. Now I've, I've got to do that. I've got, I got to be great for Jenny. How are you holding up, brother? I can't believe she's gone. Things at home have been strange. What are you doing? Baby is painting. Daddy, where do you think mommy is now? How's she holding up? Jenny said she saw something in her room. Where'd you see this? You're not supposed to tell. This is an angry soul who's trapped in this world. I felt something up there. It's bad. Jenny? Just come up, Samantha. This is darkness. What does it want? To inflict pain. She's trying to give us a message. In separation, um, the separation deals with a husband and a wife getting a divorce, and uh, there are they're having a custody battle over their child because the husband's a lazy artist. Yeah, he's a lazy comic book artist, and you know what? He doesn't even uh, he doesn't even want to be an, an inker <laughs> because that's not a real artist job. I was like, are you kidding me? He's basically like, a tracer. Yeah, <laughs> I'll trace the chalk line over your dead fucking body. Um, <laughs> it's so insulting to inkers because inking is a, such a thankless job in the comic book industry. And um, yeah, and I, I don't understand the motivation for the, the mom because she's like, you want to be an artist? Well, fuck you. 
I make the money because I'm a lawyer or whatever the fuck she is. I don't know what she is. But they, you, they establish in this universe that she helped create their big flagship characters when they were in college or something. I have no idea why. Like, intentionally, like, I mean, okay, yes, she grows up and gets a big person job, whatever. But you know, like, it, it just felt like like all the motivations seem to be like coming out of this weird left field of like. It, like the movie's designed to like be on the dad's side a lot of the time. And I'm, and there's a part of me that's just like, I think you need to fill in some logic holes here to extrapolate on what? his shittiness or whatever. If did they gonna... even say, what is her job now? I don't, I... she yeah, works at so her dad's cool. law firm or something. Brian Cox's law firm. Uh, okay. Anyways. So she's murdered and she's ran over by a car. Well, for the most of the movie, we think it's just a hit and run, not, tied to anything but i was suspicious most of the time because <laughs> we yes. never saw the person yeah um so i mean that was a pretty like shocking scene um not really because when she gets missed by the bike it's kind of a giveaway that the movie has it in for her yeah no i mean i i mean i get that but i mean like the i mean that's i'm guessing why the movie was rated r because they don't cut away when she gets <laughs> ran over uh, that that well, big CGI. Some language in it too. Yeah, it's mostly the language, but um, which it wasn't even that much. I don't remember. Like, I think twice, but still, like that's I guess enough to get the R. And then, yeah, there's that that CGI puddle of blood when she gets. Do people who get hit by cars like that just bleed out like that? Yes. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, this one time I went on a scene where this dude hit a uh, a deer going 100 miles an hour and him and the deer exploded so oh if they have explode i i i'd imagine they bleed <laughs> out like that but she was pretty intact uh yeah uh uh there was a motorcycle accident a couple of weeks ago and uh the dude was alive but he was lying on the ground and there was blood pouring out of his like helmet is pretty gross um yeah so yeah that's how it happens <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, and so so she's uh, very angry when it happens, <laughs> yes. And so the puppets that he created are coming to life, they're the ones that they both created. And like, like it, they she references to like, I could remember the names of your mother's puppets, but I could never remember your birthday, daughter of mine. Uh, so yeah, the puppets that she helped create with him are coming to life and wreaking terror on him. And Ryan, I, I want to ask you something because I've had people tell me that the Conjuring movies aren't scary, even though we have things like the Crooked Man and other things like the Nun in them that can kind of help enhance to the terror in those uh, isolated Conjuring movies and not necessarily their spinoffs. I think this is what people think the Conjuring movies are when they think of the Conjuring. Because any time a creepy puppet visual came out in this movie, I was my eyes were rolling in the back of my head. Like there was like when the guy with the contortionist guy was coming out, I was just like, "There's nothing scary going on here." Are people still into the like distorted body horror thing? Because like I'm so over it, like the popping and cracking and like twisting the head, like. I've seen this so many times. Like, I don't care. It's yeah, not... no, I, that it, it, there, you don't understand why he's there. I mean, he, he's literally there to be creepy, I guess. Yeah. Like they all just appear in their 
nightmares and then there's no danger because they're in nightmares so no one's affected by anything yeah yeah it, it's just the rules aren't set up properly um because they don't really like the only indication that we have any form of mythology here is because of his comic book artist boss guy who deals in the the nature of evil and ayahuasca <laughs> yeah i want darkness and it's just and i love that there's oh, look a drawing of scribbles this is darkness publisher guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's he's uh He's what I he, see now. He's what I think people think Tim Burton is, who's <laughs> just saying that all the time. Because he 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 his office consists of a curtain that when you unfurl it, he's like little. He's virtually living in the same form of like isolation that many of us did over the past year. Well, I and, thought Ryan was talking about the other guy who he beats in the coffee shop first. Oh no no yeah his uh, boss is different. Yeah that's what I mean. Yeah he's like. The douchebag, the the writer is whatever. He's he's an exposition facilitator. Um, yeah, his like oh no, man, I'm just gonna give you like an inking job, not a like a high class penciling job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like fuck inkers. Um, he said inkers or keyframe guy. <laughs> yeah, that the the lead actor. He's not a good actor, and he was really boring. Rupert, Frank, he's good on uh, Homeland, from what I remember of that show I watched. So I kept thinking um, it was Michael Madsen. <laughs> <laughs> like, is, it, is this young Michael Madsen? Yeah, I did that Irishman technology to start in separation. It was a passion project of mine. <laughs> well, he yeah. wasn't. A, he he is an executive producer on it. Yeah, this um, was a passion project for him. So yeah, I just don't a, think his material was like good to work with. So I think he just did his best. Well, it's just it's just so boring. Like. Even the part where they're, I guess they're trying to create some sort of connection with him and the babysitter because there's a part where he goes and sits on top of the stairs with her and it's edited really weird. And, you know, they're talking about how she thought she felt something scary in the house. And then she says, Oh, never mind. You want to smoke, get high and watch cartoons? It, I don't know. It's just really weird. Um, he, the, and, and, he seemed, and he seemed really bored in it and no one actually seemed scared um, and I don't know I think this movie wants to be Kramer versus Kramer with ghosts but it really wants to just be Kramer versus Kramer and wants Mamie Gummer alive but it can't have that so instead it just has Mamie Gummer as a ghost <laughs> um, and do, like uh, Brian Cox he's I was so just about to say yeah, like he pops in like six times just to remind him how much he sucks. Yeah, <laughs> which is why he's my, which is why I gave the movie one star because I like Brian Cox in the but movie. But then there's that one part where he's uh, the dude's talking about how he's fighting for his daughter, and he's and Brian Cox doesn't say anything, but he's really good at that part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. By yeah. the way, but, did he die at the end, or did he just like get his no, neck he just, like he just, cracked? Yeah, he is. He's just uncomfortable. Like I'll with, be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> am I forgetting? Like I don't remember a scene where we find out how he how he turns out. It just kind of. Oh no! Uh, at the end, when him and his daughter are sitting on the stairs, the steps, he said, "He's going to be hurt, but he'll be okay." <laughs> okay. Um, and then what's the deal at the end where the contortionist guy shows up again? 
Well, well, Brian, don't you want separation too, separate even further, or six <laughs> feet apart, or socially distanced? I'm pretty or... sure ayahuasca guy cleared it up when he's they're talking about like, you know, they're doing the meta thing of well, it just can't end on a happy note. It's got to set up this other thing so there could be sequels. Oh dear, dear, dear Lord, don't please don't bring up that scene. <laughs> God damn it! Like audience, are you paying attention? Yeah. God, yeah. The, the the moment I the moment I heard those words out of his mouth and then saw the reaction on Rupert Friend's face to be like, "Oh God, the nightmare isn't over." I'm like, "At what point did you think all was resolved here? What? Why? What? I uh, this? I uh, guys, guys, this about, this is a mess." <laughs> what about when uh, the girl is like sitting on the ledge and her dad? dives out through the window and there's no glass window open but there's still a bunch of glass shards that explode as he jumps out or it's because he's passing into the puppet world i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and then the mom stopped them from like being like pavement (laughs) smears and two like the daughter was starting to come back why did the dad jump out of the window i don't understand I know, because it's like because I because it's it's supposed to be visually indicated that she slips and falls out, and then he pushes in to grab her, and then that's when everything crashes. But again, guys, it doesn't really matter because nothing is set up visually to suggest that in any logistical form. Um, yeah. Uh, also, I I have a question: How did everybody feel about the quote unquote twist reveal of Samantha being the killer of the mother? Because I was, I, 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 it's, it didn't take me aback by any means, but I was just like, guys, you haven't, you, you, you lost your chance for a twist halfway through. You needed to set something up a little bit better than just slyly mentioning by Brian Cox. Oh, by the way, there's a chance that there's some kind of killer involved, but whatever. Uh, I'm going to take your daughter. Goodbye. Like it, it, it just, I don't really feel that the film knew has, knows how to set up any of its payoffs. no it's it's silly i mean i I had a feeling it was her um i mean it makes the most sense about halfway through the movie (laughs) she's a little too like over anxious to get with this guy yeah when she started to kiss him i was like oh yeah she's she probably killed his wife yeah and you know what guys you shouldn't you shouldn't be you shouldn't be smirch him of of wanting to be more than just an anchor and a keyframer because as she <laughs> says you're so much better than that you're so much better than that oh, like ugh, God, also how did it, how did it take so long to find her because unless she rented a different car to do like do the crime like they know what she shows up to babysit in yeah i know not, I, I don't get it either because how did what did brian cox have that he would get it before the police and he wouldn't share it with the police to stop her. I don't understand what's going on. He's a high priced attorney like Marvin Belli, the character he played in Zodiac, Ryan, clearly. I guess. I mean, I guess it's like Tom Cruise and Eyes Wide Shut where he walks around and just shows his like doctor ID and everyone goes, okay, I'll tell you what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah, I'm trying to remember any really been trash and I'm trying to remember there I, there were some like sweet father daughter moments uh, yeah but not many nope nope not really not good they have a puppet show and it looks cheesy as all heck but um yeah and then uh like 
she scribbles on all of his drawings like right before his deadline i'm just like I mean, how like how is this the thing because if the company is smart they would have scanned those originals and made duplicates for yeah, the ink and on two, those aren't actual comic book like post uh boards i was like what the fuck this isn't even accurate Anyways, yeah <laughs> that's another one of my <laughs> gripes with it they Ryan, do it on think... boards or i thought they did it on pages they do but it's a special it's kind of like cardboard cardstock yeah it's not i think i know why i had a inkling about this movie the moment i walked in on it and i kind of figured it out just now because this isn't the first time i've seen this guy's work now i haven't seen the boy or brahms the boy too but in 2012 i did see the devil inside and that was not good at all so i don't know why i'm surprised <laughs> uh anyways uh next week should be way better it's uh jason statham uh starring in guy ritchie's wrath of man which the trailers are pretty cool for that <laughs> so i hope he i hope it gets enough money so that he can be in the wrath of khan where he plays khan not a good joke sorry guys it's late at night <laughs> <laughs> should quit while you're ahead thanks for listening see you next week mm-hmm. bye Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.